and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 33. I'm your host, M, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi. You sounded surprised. Yeah, I've, my mouth was about to do something else, but I realized I didn't actually have, like, a gimmick thing to say. Uh- and, and Destiny. <laughs> Shut up, Jackson. It's Destiny's turn. Ahoy, <laughs> ahoy. Whatever. I'll, I'll just leave. No, you won't. We're here to talk about movies. Jackson, you got done watching a movie this morning. I was talking to you as you finished it up. What movie have you been watching? <laughs> you didn't leave. You're, you're not going to fool anyone. I, I, I hung up, and then I have come back on the call. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought I heard that. I didn't even news. notice. I have I have the webpage up so I can know what episode number it is. I did not even notice you, <laughs> you laughing. Didn't, back. So there was an awkward <laughs> silence, and you didn't even realize the I bit thought, I did. I God thought, damn I thought it. the bit was that you're going to pretend like you left. Uh, no, I left, and then I joined, and then the last thing I say, heard you say when I... This uh, is, is going to be really good in the audio when people listen to it, and it's just us talking about a bit that totally passed me <laughs> Just completely <laughs> fell flat on his face. Uh, did you ask your movie i watched while i was off the yes call. i did i watched arrival yeah the 2016 sci-fi movie uh directed by um denis right. villeneuve <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, how the fuck do i say that i have no <laughs> idea uh i've always said i've, I've always said uh uh, Denis Villeneuve, but that's not his, his, his. It's the other way around. It's UV, not VUE. So I've been saying it wrong for years. Anyway, anyway, that movie was uh, was fine. I guess I didn't like it very much. Um, oh, I really liked it. What didn't you like about it? I think his directing style is very bad for this style of movie. It felt like everyone was constantly underwater. Uh, there was no like attempt to really emotionally connect with the characters because it was all about the, like oppressive. Uh, dark, sad shots, and then the big synth music, and I didn't actually feel like I was getting a real, uh, like, emotional journey. You know, because it's, it's all meant to be like a space magic love story, uh, but it it doesn't really uh, that doesn't really come across. Uh, also, it's basically written by the U.S. State Department <laughs> um, <laughs> in its plotting, because it's all about how uh, if we're not careful, uh, China will take us all to war, and America needs to. Uh, work things out with true diplomacy um well that part is really dumb i'll I'll give you that also uh, worth pointing out jackson also burst out laughing i burst out laughing in the theater that movie ends with maybe one of the dumbest lines <laughs> in all of cinema where in, so this, in this in this great moment of emotional catharsis jeremy renner uh you know quietly and romantically whispers do you want to make a baby <laughs> I forgot with Jeremy that Renner, was with Jeremy fucking Renner. <laughs> Ugh, Ugh, no, no, yeah, it's uh, uh it's it's pretty uh, bad at that. Yeah, so like, it's the obvious politics stuff. Uh, but then more importantly, like you know, uh, I've just watched Space Runaway Idion, which is an anime show on um, uh, on GGP, and this is dealing with some similar ideas, and it just feels like the most baby shit possible. Um, but yeah, my real complaint is that uh, this is like less emotionally um like grand than interstellar which is also another one of like these very uh taciturn film men making a space magic love story um and i just want these stories to actually commit to the uh to that kind of like level of uh operatic emotion when it comes at the end of like this like very gray very sedate movie that's never that just like is never willing to like actually be that earnest uh, it just doesn't doesn't hit, and instead you're left with Jeremy Renner grimly, very seriously going, "Let's make a baby." 
Uh, we need to watch Contact for this podcast. Yes. And, and then maybe probably Solaris. Um, mm-hmm. That'd be a good time. Because yeah, those, uh, those are also big, operatic, emotional space movies, but uh, both of them are better than this. Better than Interstellar, yeah. better than uh, Arrival. Yeah, we just need to teach these uh, these film men some emotion and some color in their lives. Uh, his whole aesthetic is not of color. Have you seen that Dune trailer? Just gray on gray on gray. There's so many grays. Uh, God, it's... Kojima clearly loved this movie also. Like, just ludic... I don't know why. I, this is just like the aesthetic of the decade now. It's just these kind of shots of big landscapes with gray CGI on them. Promethe- <laughs> the the, the, the uh, legacy of Prometheus is still with us, I guess. Yeah, because that, that's like the first one I really think of doing that. And there's probably someone else. I guess everyone saw Return of the King and got really inspired 10 years later or something. Everyone saw uh, Valhalla Rising. And I was like, what if this was sci-fi? Oh, <laughs> I've never seen that. That's be- that that's that's what I think of because it's just you know. Yeah, just I've never, shots. I've not, not seen Valhalla Rising because it looked intolerable. So I watched it. I don't remember anything about it other than there's a. Lot, it was kind of boring, <laughs> but you know that's all I got. <laughs> um, Destiny, would you like to go next? I watched a Hammer film. I uh, love those it Hammer was, films. Love the Hammer. Uh. It was called Dracula AD 1972. It came out in 1972. Uh, it's one of those classic Christopher Lee Dracula movies about <laughs> what if we brought Dracula into the swing in London 70s and, uh. Nothing more swinging than the 70s in London. <laughs> yep. You could see Chelsea Mail on the. The, the store, all the all the cool stores in the high street. It was very silly. Dracula, he's like not even... It takes him forever to get there, and I feel like they didn't know what to do with him once he's there. Um, and all the 70s outfits. Like, sometimes you get a good 70s fashion movie. This is not one of those. No, this is one of those that's kind of like about the part where the 70s are like really like everyone's poor and it's kind of nihilistic right like and the movie's not about that it just just ends up being that because it's aesthetics are like that yeah like there's a lot of really ugly denim and mullets it it just the the thing the thing that's important is that there's an entire plot line about peter cushing uh realizing (laughs) that her his granddaughter's friend johnny alucard might be tied into dracula by writing down the word alucard and then writing down the word dracula and drawing lines connecting every letter (laughs) (laughs) every letter one at a time every single letter one at a time it is one of the funniest (laughs) scenes in the movie just that Batman Forever scene. Yes. <laughs> uh, Peter Cushing's great in this movie. Like, Christopher Lee's whatever, it's fine. But Peter Cushing, scene-stealing as the great-grandson of Van Helsing, hanging out, uh, trying to solve... He's like, my family's had a history of the occult. I'm the only one who can solve this problem. Uh, and he's true. My it's fa- true. My favorite thing about that is he just plays his grandfather in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just him. Yes. And then so they, you don't forget. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they do the 100 years later, Dracula's resurrected, still a threat, um, because Castlevania invented nothing. That's kind of the charm of Castlevania, honestly. Invented nothing. Dracula has still been a threat since the 1800s. Yes, that is true. <laughs> 
Um, I watched, I guess me, me and Dusty both watch both these movies, but we also watched a movie called Death Dream because Criterion Death has a really Dream. good 70s horror slate going on right now. Um, and it is directed by Bob Clark, who went on to direct one of my favorite horror movies, Black Christmas, um, which is just incredible. I absolutely recommend that to anybody. Um, but this is a movie about um, a family, like just like a rural American family whose son they have like a son and a, a daughter and the son went off to Vietnam and died and they get the notice and the mother's in denial and sits up all night, like refusing to believe it. And because of that, it's not clear, but because of some, some reason her son comes back um, and arrives and he is not himself and he, no, right. Yeah. No one's quite sure why. And is he, is, did he go AWOL? Did he actually not die? Is he like, is he magic? Is he like a fake? Um, and that is kind of what the movie's about is he, uh, is very crazy and, uh, starts murdering people. Um, there's like, doesn't a, he murder a dog? Yes. First? There's a, there's like this good 20 minute bit where everyone's like, Oh, this is, this is, this is shell shock. Like this is what happens. People come back from war and no, actually he's like evil. Sorry. It's, it's way different than that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's really good. I had a great time. It's like, a, it's like a nice chill little, uh, thriller and, um, it, it's creepy in the right scenes and uh when it decides to be gory like the end of this movie is like outrageously overdone in terms of like the makeup effects um tom savini yeah tom savini uh baby tom savini in the early 70s um it's good i had a good time with it uh never heard of it before i assume it's not like super um well known but i did really enjoy it uh it sounds like a good time yeah it really was. It, it's got a lot of um, the the main guy. He's got good dead eye. He he really is very like good, terrifying smile. Yeah, he's doing like a Norman Bates, but like way more catatonic, and um, it just got an intensity to it that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, that's it for movies. We're gonna talk about our main film this week, which is Jennifer's Body. Written by Diablo Cody, directed by Karen Kusama. This came out in 2009. I saw this in a theater. Um, Jackson, do you want to summarize the movie briefly? Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's Body is a movie about uh, Needy and Jennifer, who are two friends uh, from this town that has a ridiculous name. Anyone got the name of the town? Devil's Kettle. Devil's Kettle. Thank you. Just a, a typical a small town in America. Devil's um, Lake, if you ask low shoulder. <laughs> yes and one night uh they go to a dive bar to watch the band low shoulder and um <laughs> uh jennifer is taken away first of all the the bar burns down uh loads of people die and in the shock aftermath needy is unable to prevent jennifer being like taken away in their band by these very creepy band members um and Jennifer comes back, uh, shows up in the middle of the night, covers of blood, and like vomiting black death goo. So something has gone wrong here. <laughs> uh, the rest of the movie, Jennifer spends her time uh, killing random men across uh, the school and the, the city. Uh, she needs the energy of these men to feed for some reason. Unclear why at this point, uh, Needy starts investigating, uh, tries to convince her boyfriend that things are going on. He is a bad boyfriend in a teen horror movie, so he does not believe her. Uh, young Neil from Scott Young, young Neil! <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, holy shit, that's Young Neil! Um, I didn't think about Scott Pilgrim very much, but I did 
say that. So apparently, I am a Scott Pilgrim fan. <laughs> uh, anyway, how, how could you not be? Sorry, I just have to interject. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Nothing against the movie. I just don't. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> she okay. discovers what has happened, to Jennifer. Uh, they uh, the the band Low Shoulder sacrificed uh, Jennifer in like by this weird uh sinkhole in the town uh to perform a sacrifice to satan uh sacrificing her as a virgin to uh guarantee them indie rock success um unfortunately she was not a virgin they only thought this because of a misunderstanding uh which means that uh, jennifer has now been like possessed permanently uh by a demon and uh needy is going to stop her uh she she tries she like tries uh her boyfriend uh is eventually like targeted she shows up in the nick of time to like fight him off but uh his boy her boyfriend dies and then she just uh gets a knife goes to the house fights her in her bed and stabs her at which point all the lights turn on and her mum walks in and she's like fuck <laughs> and immediately arrested <laughs> uh and uh sent to prison but uh it turns out because uh, in the fight she got bit by Jennifer, so she has some of the demon's power, uses it to break out, and goes to kill Low Shoulder, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, that's a pretty comprehensive. You know, normally I'm way worse at plot summaries, but this is actually a very simple A to B movie uh, yeah. on that level, at least. Uh, so how do you want to cover this? Do you want to talk about the part where this movie had a very rocky release and reception initially? I suppose we should just get that out of the way, because I feel like that's the thing everyone talks about this movie. Maybe mm-hmm. not so much now. The, like, there was all the 10-year retrospectives last year, uh, but... This movie, famously because it was written by Diablo Cody, who was someone who was kind of a lightning rod for discourse in the uh, era, and starred Megan Fox, who uh, everyone liked to shit on because of those Transformers movies and Michael Bay ruining her career, uh, was just like constantly derided as a movie that was like, ah, this is like some pandering bullshit, uh, fake horror film, um, Megan Fox can't be a lead, blah, blah, blah. Just a lot of like misogyny thrown around, uh, especially in her direction. Um, partially not helped by the fact that the movie was like sold as like, look at this hot girl. She's so evil. You want to see this movie, right, boys? Um, when that's not what this movie's about at all. <laughs> One of the most hilarious like mismarketing schemes. Um, but since then, it's become something of a, you know, cult classic as people reevaluated it. I remember liking this movie when it came out. Uh, I, I was like, I don't remember too many of the specifics. Rewatched it. Actually, I remembered most of it. Not, not the last, like, 20 minutes, but most of the rest of it I remembered. And, um, yeah, it's good. I, I like this movie a lot. I liked it a lot revisiting it. There's a lot here. Yeah, I had a great time. I was a Diablo Cody hater by the time this movie came out. That's because Juno's not a very good movie. (laughs) I liked Juno. That's the weird thing. She just got on my nerves, like, with her internet presence. And just, I don't like the way she writes dialogue. But I actually did like Juno, which is even weirder. But, wait, what'd you say, Em? Oh, her second movie. I was, like, over by her second movie. Yeah, I was done. But, uh... So I didn't see this when it came out originally, just because I was just like, eh, whatever. But I'm glad that I watched it now, because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it was... Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it was really nostalgic for me. I didn't see it at the time. Uh, but, like, just, like, hit in the face with the Diablo Cody dialogue at the start of the movie. <laughs> yes, um, it does take a while. The, like most things that are, like... Cause 
rightly she has a very distinctive writing style it's very easy to like lampoon but like anyone who does that like 15 minutes in it just kind of fades out of your awareness and you're just yeah. in the situation <laughs> of the movie yeah and sometimes it's very funny yes it's a, it's a hilarious movie this movie's great <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's really really funny and some of the dialogue hasn't aged great but uh it's i don't know i laughed a lot yeah I mean, it was it was the late aughts. People throwing around the R word like their life depended on it. <laughs> yeah, it made <laughs> me weirdly nostalgic and and kind of embarrassed, both in equal measure. Because you know, this is the time I was a teenager. Um, I didn't really watch many teen movies at the time because uh, being a teenager is awful. So I was looking for any escape from that. Um, I graduated five years before this movie came out, and it still made me uncomfortable in that high school way, like. <laughs> The guy, uh, the shitty boyfriend, has a four-year strong poster, which is fucking spot on, especially for two thousand and nine. <laughs> uh, that's how I felt about the Fallout Boy poster in Meg, uh, Megan Fox's room. Um, they almost got Pete Wentz to play the lead guy from a low shoulder. Yes, which would that would have been excellent. Would have been so because. The- I've always had a piece Adam of Brody still makes it feel like a period piece, in my opinion. <laughs> the thing is, like, uh, I feel like Adam Brody like scene steals the shit out of this movie every time he shows up. Yes, he's such a he's such a slime ball, but in like this very like charismatic, like fun way where he's just chewing scenery about being this evil guy who just really wants to make it. He's not hot enough to actually be the lead of a popular indie band, but he's going to try his best. Damn it, one way or another. <laughs> Yeah, the scene where they like uh, sacrifice Jennifer is incredible standout. <laughs> yes. he's just like it goes on forever. There's like six fake outs <laughs> because uh, the, the, the one so the good. one I like is when the when the bar burns down and uh, Needy and Jennifer get out and he's just staying there drinking. He's like, "Oh, I'm I was looking all over for you. I'm so glad you got out." <laughs> just like totally deadpan, <laughs> fake concern. <laughs> yeah, and then Needy's just like catatonic, unable to stop anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> excellent stuff. Yes, um, uh, I was absolutely caught off guard by just how funny this movie was. Because, like, as I was saying about the nostalgic stuff, is that I went to university to do screenwriting in like you know 2012, um, but got got into that like in high school, uh, and the this was the kind of movie I would have like wanted to copy as a as a high schooler, which is like very corny and embarrassing in its own way, uh, but kind of warm. Felt like being uh, seventeen again, <laughs> um, so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think for me the thing that like <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. But I said it to M when it happened. So Colin Gray, the like goth kid, yes, totally, totally would have been in love with him in high school. <laughs> Just as soon as he came on screen, my like inner seventeen-year-old was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he looks ridiculous." He does, but I would have just worshipped the ground he walked on, and he would have been completely oblivious. <laughs> yep. I also would have had a huge crush on uh, Megan Fox. Well, yeah. But that's kind of the point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know what to, what to go to actually dig into the film. Uh, you know, I, I guess... Uh, what is a good way of doing this? Yeah. Well, everybody kept talking about the queer baiting thing, but I had like a completely different take on that. 
Yeah. Okay. So I guess we'll just, uh, we have an email. Uh, someone wrote in, I'm just going to read the email cause we're, we can get into it, uh, this way. Not typically the order in which we do this, but it's fine. So I had an email from someone, uh, that said this course around Jennifer's body when it first released is considered another queer bending Hollywood film too cowardly to show explicit queer relationships uh, and that we shouldn't settle for this kind of representation, but somehow it's become a lost classic of queer cinema and don't get it. Um, and was just asking our thoughts on that. And one that was not, I don't know where you were hanging out in 2009, but that was not the discourse ever, like popularly around this movie. Like I'm sure there were people who were saying that, but that was not the major thrust of why this movie was like poorly regarded at the time. Um, all of that mostly wraps around Diablo Cody and Jennifer Fox hate or uh, Megan Fox. Sorry. Uh, Megan Fox hate. But um, for me, it's like this movie is queer cinema, not because it's about kids who are like teenagers who are gay or whatever it is because it's about the very like universal i feel like queer teen thing of is this friendship like actually us like dancing around having romantic feelings or is this just us in like this weirdly toxic relationship and i can't tell the difference because i'm 17 yeah and they're clearly like going through that teen i don't know how i feel and like the kissing scene to me was just I don't know, like, it's filmed very, like, um, kind of male gazy. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. But I thought that was a really emotional scene, and I actually felt like the implied confusion there is really well done. And also, it's kind of, um, a B-movie trope to have, like, a bit of, um, homoeroticism. <laughs> Yeah, I think this movie doesn't like work if it's about actual like an actual couple, right? If Needy and uh, Jennifer are going out, um, because yeah, the movie's like about <laughs> that exact uh, ambiguity. Um, as I when I finished watching it, uh, my reaction was I was just from the uh, from the discussion around it, especially in like the last few years, I was expecting something a little uh, more like clear cut uh, and less complicated. Um, I went to uh, uh, Ex Machina as my example, which is I expected like movie about how boys are bad, um, but it was actually way more complicated, like about the complicated relationship between um, Needy and, uh, and Jennifer in a way that I really liked. Like the way that um, Needy starts like feeling the murders when they happen uh, was just really well done, and um, the tension between uh, those two and like not knowing where they stand, uh, and <laughs> it was it was just good. I I was uh, surprised. Um, at the movie's willingness to like meet you like accept that you already agree with it so it can you know it doesn't it's not actually a movie about how epic it is to kill boys <laughs> um it just accepts that you already think that and it's a movie about uh this like really toxic uh friendship uh yeah that's yes um yeah cuz I, I yeah i was just expecting something a little bit more cuz from how it's been reclaimed, right, I thought that, like, this is a movie everyone would love. But if this movie was made today, everyone would hate it. <laughs> everyone would be mad about it and call it problematic. Um, I guess that's true. I would true. still like it. You would uh, yeah. like it, but I don't think it would actually be as mass popular as it currently... I think it would be the, like, uh, cult classic getting all these essays about it if it came out today. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, the thing that it's, like, talking about is, like, a, a, a very off like 
regular experience. Maybe not, maybe not in 2020. I don't know. I don't know what teens are doing in 2020, but I feel like this, like the, the frictions of the relationship are like extremely relatable and not just in the way of like, like, do they have actual feelings for each other? But the ways in which like Jennifer is like, the hot one quote-unquote but in that she is deeply insecure and like tries really mm -hmm. hard to be the hot one in a way that needy does not like amanda seafried is like you know she's an attractive actress and the part of the plot of this movie is the fact we're like she's the hot one right like she's going to grow up and be the one that everyone is like into because she's like normally attractive and not the way that like jennifer is attractive right yeah yes and, uh, and she's just, no she's like normal about that in the way that she can just like live her life and her insecurities come from Jennifer's constant needling, but also her willingness to like, she likes Jennifer enough that she's willing to throw herself under the bus for her all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and like giving that to her as like the, the, the way she sacrifices for that friendship, which is like very not like it's, it's not healthy, but like people do that all the time. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's called being a teenager. Yeah, it's yeah. Peak, peak teenager stuff. Yeah. Uh, like the way the movie opens with like okay so she says wear something cute so i have to wear something that doesn't upstage her but still you know don't look like a fucking nerd uh and realizing that like the hierarchy isn't just something that exists right it has been actively cultivated and maintained uh by jennifer and then in turn by needy who is invested in it herself yes uh, also mm -hmm. like the way in which jennifer like threatens to like you know steal needy's boyfriend anytime that she feels threatened by that relationship despite the fact that like chip doesn't like her <laughs> no <laughs> he has like zero interest in fact he thinks she sucks yeah he's like i know she's evil yeah yeah <laughs> uh, um, uh but chip is fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> i really like him <sighs> Pitch perfect bad high school relationship vibes, just like spot oh, on. That sex scene was almost too close to home. <laughs> oh, it's so funny! Oh my it's god, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's incredibly spot on. Um, and his like niceness, like he's uh, the movie's ability to like. Um, or abilities are one, but like the movie's uh, commitment to making sure most of the victims in this movie, um, like the men, right, are not shitty. Uh, I think is pretty good. In the the only like cartoonishly evil boys are low shoulder, and everyone else is just kind of just um, going through this, and it allows the like nature of the actual relationships between them to be the point and not this guy is shitty therefore he deserves to get owned uh it is very concerned with the actual like way that high school hierarchies are formed mm. yeah it would have been really easy to do like just evil boys and she's like this uh feminist uh murder figure <laughs> mm -hmm. um and um because I love how, like, all of the boys, right, don't actually want to be there when they're being murdered. None of them want it to happen to them. They haven't actually, like, you know, they're just p fulfilling their own... They don't know how to not, like, how to actually get out of that. This is, like, so gender role built into them that they don't know how to not be in the room when there's random ladies undressing them. Yeah. Uh, the, you, the, there's no framework to say no to the hot lady giving you attention because no. the society is wrapped around you want, that's the thing you want, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the way, like, in the different reactions and the different scenes, uh, all of the 
like you know men express that just totally being trapped by gender in their own ways i think is uh very well done like the actual murder scenes are all really well executed i think mm-hmm. um. uh also uh everything just about the town which is like kind of in the background of the movie um but uh is fucking incredible uh yeah the post 9-11 fatigue <laughs> syndrome that's being carried out as the sound goes through tragedy after tragedy. Uh, so spot on. I don't think I've laughed harder uh, at anything in a while than when that terrible, terrible song is playing uh, through the like montage of what's going on at the town. And then suddenly it's like cuts to a vigil for the victims and the people are singing that awful song. <laughs> Just yeah. Terrible low yeah. shoulder butt rock song. And they were like, this is our anthem now. <laughs> I fucking lost it. Oh. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie, even with like, I mean, they outwardly say it like there's a very early scene where uh, Jennifer gets these like 9-11 tribute shooters <laughs> <laughs> that represent the towers, but they're red, white and blue. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> the classroom scenes are really good, especially as like Jennifer's being a demon and just being an inhuman murder monster is basically unnoticeable from high schoolers being shits in <laughs> in any scene where the teacher's trying to be serious. Um, uh, and I think that worked really well, because uh, uh, and the, the like small town dynamic stuff is like not that it's not a focus of this movie um but i like it a lot because it definitely reminds me of her, her next movie which is young adult which is like uh early jackson classic <laughs> um one of the first movies one of my favorite movies yeah one of the first movies me and em, uh bonded over i believe hmm yeah uh and i you just see the seeds of that here because that movie is like all that <laughs> um and um I don't know. I just like the portrait of most people. Like, basically, everyone's like a cartoon person who sucks, but in uh, very human ways. Um, I'm surprised at how strong that was because of how much, like, when you think of Diablo Cody now, you think of, like, the affectations as, like, they've been, like, parodied in games of telephone for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh,. It was specifically the scene of uh, the Collins Collins funeral <laughs> and the goth being there being like, he's gone to the shadow realm. <laughs> he's with the <laughs> angels. Uh, and then... Uh, oh, but the stuff the mom yeah. says to them is so good. It's so real. Uh, yes. It's but that, yeah. like, being right up against, like, J.K. Simmons is, like... <laughs> <laughs> extremely playing against type with his awful hair and like extremely deadpan delivery not like dead not like uh not like spider-man deadpan but like just like this very droll teacher trying to like be earnest with these kids uh like the comedies in the undersell uh it's really good yes yeah <laughs> bit where the guy's getting mad and he's like ah oh, yeah just let it all out <laughs> Uh, the thing that the thing that happened between me uh, between the two times watching this movie for me is that I've seen all of Buffy and Angel now, and it uh-huh. just makes me pissed off about how terrible Joss Whedon's writing is. 
Because I assume I, every, like, is Buffy and Angel Ground Zero for this, or is this just, like, the tropes of uh, sitcoms being brought over with the tropes of these, like, supernatural movies? Or was that, you know, for the, there's a big thing going on, but here's the fucking band coming in. I think of that being, like, a Buffy trademark. It know. is a Buffy thing. Okay. I'm not going to claim that I have enough knowledge to, like, yes. declare that. Um. Well, I know it I is a Buffy thing. Buffy. I just don't know how, how unique it is. You get too out of pocket and you end up saying things on podcasts, like a famous podcast I listened to that X-Files is the first television show that had Monster <laughs> of the Week elements. <laughs> what? I no. heard that two weeks ago on a podcast I'm not going to name on the air um, and lost my goddamn mind. Yes, that's why I was asking the question and definitely not yes. providing an answer. Any of uh, you want to embarrass yourselves? <laughs> no, the thing, the thing is that um, like, I like Buffy quite a bit, but and I don't think, like, this movie exists without Buffy. But no. the thing here is that, like, so much of this stuff feels arch, but that it accurately reflects, like, my remembrance of being in high school. Yes. Like, with its... with mm-hmm. Like, there's a sympathy for these kids going through it that I think is, like, a thing that Buffy often forgets because it's about the melodrama of being a superhero. Um, and Needy's not a superhero. Needy just goes to their weirdly well-stocked occult section of the library and pulls out Satan books. <laughs> But, but then in the next scene, it's like, it's tiny. Yes, yes. The joke is that, the, that he's like, it's really had small. Nicole section. She's like, no, it's really small. It, I, I guarantee you it's an infinite percent bigger than any other high school's occult section of their library. They wouldn't let you have a book about anything related to magic, much less actual occult books. In a like, small Not, town in yes. America. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I live in a largest, largest town and... <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, even the occult section in the public library is small. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's very goofy. Uh, but that, that that stuff like works really well. I like it. Uh, there's also like there's also like the good throwaway gags are just like fun for watching the movie. Like they're what they're like spring musical is whatever happened to Baby Jane the musical. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, they're definitely, like, um, how do I formulate this thing? Like, when you compare it to Buffy or something, or, like, just the way that Joss Whedon uses that kind of dialogue in order to make everyone sound cool all the time, Diablo Cody's doing these jokes, no one comes off as cool. It is knowingly very, very uncool in a way that I never get, like, Joss Whedon loved the sound of his own voice so much. Yeah, and and when Diablo Cody swings for the coolness, the coolness is good because it is like understated like yes. there's a bit where needy doesn't swear right like she's just not that person and a couple times like one time she says fuck or whatever and then right at the end of the movie when she's like actually about to go and like try to fight jennifer she like crosses herself and like prays to a saint to let her like stomp this bitch and then jumps in the pool and it's like a cheer moment because it is uncool because it's like super dorky as a thing to say yes <laughs> yep uh yeah i know definitely like the awareness of how you know, awkward high school cool dialogue is. Yeah. Uh, because um, <laughs> there's no, uh, you know, just being dialogues to, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. We were all wrong. Um, Some of it's good. Sure. I'm going to defend it. I'm not, I can't, I, I'm, some of it's good. 
We all it was the nineteen nineties, you had to either pick uh whether you were into like Joss Whedon dialogue or Sorkin dialogue. I chose Sorkin, and they're both they're, you know, they're both kind of cringy now and embarrassing. We all made mistakes. The better word if possible. I, I also chose Sorkin, unfortunately. I think that's just uh gender hitting you. That's just gender. <laughs> oh, that's the those are the worst two if I see if I come before the two genders and they are Joss Whedon and Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> I'm killing myself. <laughs> um, I think there's good and bad. I'm not gonna say it, it was all bad. <laughs> I, I, I really I, I will, will stand, stand by and defend and my say Buffy. in 2020 that Buffy is like worth consideration and Angel's just mostly a good show. Mm. Um, you know, I keep I keep trying to convince my friends to start a Buffy or Angel podcast. I don't want to do it. That's a lot of you work. You listen to it. <laughs> so if you want to do one with me, so, uh, this is my call. I will do it because I want to rewatch it really bad badly i would love to i would love to uh listen to one but i don't want to do it that's if you do that like one episode a week that's like years of work it's a it's a big podcast <laughs> yeah that's that's a whole that's a whole commitment i'll, yeah. I'll also listen to it but i'm not <laughs> i'm not watching that i would be totally it's good you should watch it uh, i got too many shows to watch that's true you do have too many i'm shows about to watch. that life i guess with this we're probably far afield if there's anything else you want to say we should say it otherwise we should move on um maybe good uh, the cutback. For, so it starts with like a really interesting. The um, ending of the movie. Flashback. Should we, do we flash want to forward. talk about that? Because the what? Wait, what? Oh. I think you were cutting out Destiny. I it, I was just going to say, like, I really liked the ending of the movie. Because uh, even though Low Shoulder are clearly the vil- villains, I didn't expect them to get theirs. That was the one thing I knew about the movie. I've seen the like last minute before. I remember her uh, walking down the highway and killing the boys. Um, they're so fucking evil. Does that predate that Dawn of the Dead remake where they do a similar thing with the end no, credits? No, that's 2004. No. Okay. Because I couldn't remember and I was like, which one is referencing the other? <laughs> this was... I, mean, I, I don't even... I don't think they're necessarily referencing each other, or you know, I don't think it's a straight line like that necessarily. Okay, I thought it was a reference. I thought it was very, very funny. There's like five years of movies doing basically that same thing in between them. <laughs> I guess I just don't watch enough movies. Ah, you just don't watch enough mid two thousand movies, and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> this is like very yeah. <laughs> this was the height of me being a snob. Like two thousand nine was height of me being a horrible it's, snob. It's not like a banging era for movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, were you saying something, Jackson, before that? Uh, you were talking about the framing about device? The framing device at the start of the movie, which uh, has two things, which is first of all, like, there's a bit where so she, she starts out and she's in the prison that's like a uh, prison for, like, people who've clearly pleaded insanity, right? I don't know, like, the exact situation. Um, but uh, is in a prison being uh, treated uh, as if it's, like, uh, like a you know mental hospital tropes, which I say that in the loaded way. the movie's doing it in a loaded way. She's in a bad time, um, and I, I thought it was just uh, really good. So it's one, it leads up to the like cut back to her as a as like a teen, which uh, is hilarious because it just cuts back and it's now we've made Amanda Seyfried ugly in like a way where it, but like on purpose. It doesn't actually want you to believe that. It's very very funny, um, and. Uh, it was just, it was just good. I, it was specifically the part where, like, and this is like a completely throwaway thing, but um, I don't even know if I want to say it. I have to now. Uh, like, basically, all of the people overseeing all of the like prisoners were black, and it was like an awareness of like, 
you know, uh, the it was more aware of the dynamics of fucking prisons than I expected it to be. As this uh, white lady kicks this black woman across the screen in, in like a I'm standing up for for freedom way, but not actually click like helping anything. Uh, is the like opening of the movie and the movie that is not about race in any way, but uh, uh, I don't know. It just came off as more aware than I was expecting um, uh, about that stuff, especially considering it is like you know uh, the movie is constantly dropping the R word. It's not like. Uh, super forward-thinking movie in that term, so I was surprised by the consideration of that. I don't know if there's anything there, but that was a reaction I had. I didn't. It didn't pick up for me yeah. that way, but I interesting. I think that's really interesting. Uh, all right, if that's it, we should probably go to questions. Let's do it. If you have questions, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. They can be about anything uh, movie-related, but I think all of our questions are about uh, this movie. Uh, First one we have is from Joe, which uh, I'm not going to read all of because most of it's about... We asked about the haunted house and we got information yeah. uh, we're not going to share that on the podcast but it, it, it sounds it sounds look it sounds like a thing i would have trauma about if i lived in the house it sounds bad to me because i think <laughs> houses are scary inherently um but uh the real question here at the end of all this is what is your favorite artist who probably made or would make a human sacrifice in exchange for fame as happens in this movie oh all of them they all would no yeah. that's coward dancer you gotta <laughs> you gotta pick something um, who do I think would commit a human sacrifice for success? I, my answer, and this is an embarrassing admission on my part on what I was into in, in, in probably a little before 2009, but around the time of 2009 is I was really into, uh, the Dresden dolls and Amanda Palmer, the <laughs> who's greatly embarrassing. <laughs> And if you want to talk about someone who definitely made a satanic pact to get famous and then the monkey's paw already is curled, uh, that, that's her. That's her whole career. Cause when, that is so when the Dresden dolls were just playing on the indie station, it was like, yeah, they're just, you know, they're just like a cool spooky band. And then she married Neil Gaiman and became famous for being a dumbass online and all that's blown up in her face now. So yes. I'll say Joss Whedon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joss yeah, Whedon would since def- we've just been. Th- thinking about him yeah <laughs> um i don't have a good i don't have a good answer for this uh who do i think would commit a human sacrifice for fame <sighs> i don't know <laughs> you're overthinking this i am overthinking this it took me a while to think of my answer it's okay if you don't have I don't, one i don't i don't have one i don't i don't know i don't i don't really know where that line is i don't know <laughs> Um, sorry, don't, don't have anything. All right. Uh, we've got questions from Alex. Uh, would any of you get the hilarious 9-11 drink? I don't like shooters like that. So no. I do. <laughs> hey. That's what I would. I would probably order it because it's 9-11 themed. And I think that's hilarious. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely willing to buy into something I won't like for novelty because I'm stupid. Yep. Yeah, I just. I just think those drinks are usually really, really sweet, and they're really fun to drink with your friends. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, but that's I wouldn't drink most drinks. I'm very boring <laughs> uh, when it comes to food. That is not not necessarily a moral stance. Just I, I don't drink alcohol. Uh, okay. In what is the most embarrassing song to be sacrificed to Satan for? 
I think my answer, uh, because I live in Omaha, has to be a 311 song. Because they are a band <laughs> yeah. that feel like they sacrifice someone to Satan to get famous because they're fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Well, it's obviously like Muse Uprising or something. Oh, that's a bad one. <laughs> I think uh, I think it is a Muse song. I mean, um, I could I couldn't say uh, Matt Bellamy for the last one because I don't like Muse, but he'd kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sometimes I think I feel that way about Bono. <laughs> it's about time someone took Bono down a peg. <laughs> 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 um, what form of bunny slipper do you think confers the most occult power? A form of what bunny slipper? Yeah, I'm just reading the question. Okay, because she's that, got bunny that, slippers. That does, yeah, I, I know. Like, I don't know if is there special forms. It's just like slippers. With just bunny answer slippers. the question. You're overthinking I, it. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't, I've never thought. Of yeah, it. I don't really have an answer for this either. I think the answer is uh, Christmas reindeer slippers. Okay. My, my answer. Um, if you had to die by evil fuck ghost, what radio edit of a sex song would you pick to die for? My answer is uh, Venga Bus, which is not a sex <laughs> song, but you know what? I want to go out that way. Boom, 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 boom is a sex song, however, but not as good. Yeah. What? Pony by Genuine. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God. <laughs> um, not a sex song, but the theme change Daddy Path. There you go. Uh, we have questions from Tron. What are your thoughts about the soundtrack of this movie? It sucks, but genuinely, this is what music was like in 2009. It was a bad time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's the thing: is I don't know if the terrible. Well, I, okay, the the them singing along to it does. Someone knew, but it's they're also trying to sell this song, and the joke is it's that, a real band. It's a real. It's a real band. And people are like posts about how good the soundtrack of this movie is on YouTube when you look for it. And it's like, this song's so People are into mid, mid late aughts indie music. Um, and it's fine, whatever. Uh, I think that like, I think this movie is taking the piss out of it. I think that's fine. Yes. I, but you, you can, you can still like enjoy a thing and take the piss out of it. Like I like, usually it, my, my interest in this like genre is like early to mid aughts, not late to mid aughts. Um, mm -hmm. but like, it's inherently funny music because it's all fucking terrible. <laughs> well, it does start with "I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you," and that's a good song. That's it. That's that song is great. I was song. so happy to hear that. Yeah, Black Kids. Uh, who's your favorite character in the movie? Uh, Shit. I mean, like Needy, but that's that's cheating, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say Needy is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but if I if I can't choose any of the like main, if I can't choose the main two, I guess I would say like Chip. Um, because he just absolutely, I know that guy probably was 75% that guy. So was every guy in high school. It's fucking, <laughs> oh, every single like, uh, person who was a boy in the late 2000s got executed by that character. <laughs> Shout out to Amy Sedaris as Needy's mom. I really liked her, even yes. though she was barely in the film. Yes. She just had like a kind of burned out working class vibe that, I was really into her scene was excellent it's like super important like it's one of the most important scenes in the movie even though it doesn't do anything because uh, the sense that you get that needy really can't actually turn to anyone is very 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 well done uh, without feeling like yeah. overbearing um, what was the funniest moment of this movie for you 
Yeah, it was this when they all start singing to that terrible song. Okay. Destiny. <sighs> That's definitely up there. I really liked. Hmm, I have to think about this. Uh, M, you go, and then I'll pick mine. Uh, I think it was when uh, Low Shoulder all starts singing right before they stab Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> they start singing Jenny yes. by um, Tommy Two Tone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I think that's a really fun pick. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of little things that, that just added up to make the the whole movie really oh, funny. I also like, like, I think also like I think the banter between Needy and Jennifer is like genuinely like it's meant to be not funny. Like they're just friends who have their in jokes and they're not funny to anyone but them. But the bit where. Um, Jennifer starts flying out of the pool and he's like, it's, she's just floating. It's not that impressive. And she's like, you're always belittling me. It's such a really good, like, bit of, like, in exchange between those two characters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just so, like, automatically mean in a situation where you wouldn't think to be mean. Like, yeah, all the little shoulder die, stuff and, like, in this scared, is just so good. She just good. has to get her dig in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it is when you're in a really bad friendship in high school. Uh, do you have an answer, Destiny? Did we lose Destiny? Oh, yeah, I was just saying all the stuff with low shoulder is just really, really good. Okay. We're having Discord problems. We're trying to Hello? figure it out. But my fix this week did not work, so we'll try a new fix next week. It's going to be cool. Hello? We're recording on Skype. It's time for the scary check. Jackson, was this movie scary? Were there any scary moments for you? Absolutely not. Okay. Like the barest jump scares when, uh, when like Jennifer is like right there. Maybe the bit when in her house when she's looking for her and she like takes a while to for her to actually show up. That one was a little bit, but no, this movie feels scary. I thought that scene where she's looking for Jennifer was actually kind of tense. I was a little scared, especially when she there's this bit where she opens the door to the basement and looks in and. In any horror movie, Jennifer would have been behind the door the way it was framed when she closed the door, and she's not. And that thing scared me, because I knew the gag was coming, I just didn't know when. Yes, the, the, that, that scene specifically has, like, four fake-outs, as you yeah. think she's going to be there. Um, like, she opens the door, and your, your thought is, she'll close the door and already be behind her, and then she's yeah. not. <laughs> and then, yeah, so they do that. Uh, but that's really the only scene. Okay. Destiny, were you scared by this movie at all? Probably not. No, not yeah. one bit. There's some great, like... I like that it's, like, a genuinely gross movie. I like that it um, has a lot of creepy atmosphere, but it's not It's not a scary movie. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. Um, that's it. Uh, next time, we are covering... Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Uh, this is available streaming in the U.S. on Criterion Prime Video. It's all over the place. Um, you can get a hold of it. It's a famous film. Uh, I do barely remember it. Destiny and Jackson have not seen it, so it's going to be like a nice one where nobody's really like aware of it. Because <laughs> I saw it as a kid, don't remember a goddamn thing about it. So, uh, yeah. No, I'm 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 hoping it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, plugs, Destiny. At Fridge Buzz now, and then my podcast, Badland Girls, is on Abnormal Mapping. Yeah. Is that just abnormalmapping.com slash Badland Girls? I don't actually know what your URL is. It sure is. Cool. I, at some point, we'll come up with a goofy one. Yeah. But 
uh, it has yet to. Sadly, I want it to sadly, come organically. I, I don't think there's a dot girls TLD, and if there was, you couldn't afford it because it would definitely be like porn prices and not like normal people prices. <laughs> girls dot biz. Girls dot biz. <laughs> is there not a dot girls? There's no one paying to get like a who runs the world dot girls already. That seems like a thing that has to exist. <laughs> That's so obnoxious. It's probably, you know, the K Hive yeah. bought it or something. All right. Okay, that doesn't exist. But it, if it did, that's what it would. That's where it would go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jackson plugs. Uh, hello. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You could find all the other podcasts that we do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a bunch of cool ones there. Uh, Abnormal Mapping itself is a game club you should listen to. Uh, we just did a whole bunch of apps uh, like games in one episode last time and we're gonna do azura's wrath next time and that's a cool game even if you don't like games you should at least watch it it's so sick yeah uh you could definitely just watch that that is a watchable <laughs> so out. i went i went to hover um and typed in badland.girls uh just to see if it would give me and the autocorrect immediately goes to badlandgirls.gay so there you go if you want that one destiny <laughs> <laughs> uh how, Beautiful. how how much it is forty dollars. That is not as much as I expected. Yeah, me either. Badlandgirls.org is fourteen dollars. Yeah. Badlandgirls.gay, <laughs> God. Badlandgirls.io. Fucking IO. Badlandwomen.com. <laughs> they really want you to get woke with your <laughs> your branding. Well, we're both gonna be forty before you know it. So yeah. I've got one that says top bandland women Topbandlandboys.com. Anyway, uh you can find me at EM underscore being uh on Twitter. If you'd like to watch me play video games, I do that on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash normal mapping. I'm playing Death the Outsider. I'm nearly done. Um probably like one or two more weeks and I'll be moving on to a different game. Um and that'll be exciting. If you want to support all of us and all the podcasts we make, that's patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, you get good stuff. Uh, we have a good time. We talk about movies on uh, VoIP Life a lot. If you really want to help us out, that'd be great. Um, that's $10 a month. Uh, but it's good. It's a good time. Um, thank you, everyone who supports us. If you can't or whatever, just tell your friends about this podcast if you like it. That's fine, too. Because um, this is one where I feel like uh, the smallest audience, but I have a lot of affection for doing it every two weeks. And we will continue to do it uh, for as long as we want to watch movies. It's probably going to be a while, I think. I say that knowing this podcast has been canceled twice. <laughs> but it always comes back. It's fun to do. Well, I'm gonna yeah. the f- oh, oh, right. There was a set. There was. A, I was like, "Where's that?" T- yeah, no. There was a. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So until uh, <laughs> next time, movies now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. I was gonna say I don't like to like them, but now nah, it's fine. Okay. I think it worked better. All right. <laughs>